This is like giving you a bowl of doggy do, put a cherry on top and call it a chocolate sundae. Sounds delicious. I'll take it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. My bar is much lower this year. Right. Take what I can get. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Cherry on top. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. There's that. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. In Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ 90.1. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN 94.7. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ 97.3. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day over your internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and many other fine affiliates. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and really all-around swell fellow. According to me. And me too. Thank you. Mostly. Thank you from (laughs) bradblog.com. I appreciate that, Desi Doyen. That, of course, is the delightful Desiree Doyen, who will be with us uh, all, all hour and... Here with a uh, with a green news report, a fantastic green news report, the we'll best see. green news report ever. It's beautiful. We'll see, world class, eh? <laughs> and maybe an extended green news report segment because there's a lot of stuff that we did not have time to get into. As usual, our latest green news report and some stuff that uh, important stuff that has come out since. So that is straight ahead. But in the meantime, today. The FISA Amendments Act, including its controversial extension of Section 702, which allows the federal government to access all Americans' phone calls and emails without a warrant or a probable cause of any kind, that today has passed the U.S. Senate and will now head to Donald Trump's desk, where he's expected to sign it before his FBI, DHS, DOJ, NSA, CIA, take your pick, are all all more than ready right now to enjoy their expanded powers to unconstitutionally enjoy their new secret spying powers on American citizens, as we discussed in detail on yesterday's program <clears throat> with former, uh, <clears throat> former DOJ prosecutor, now head of Brandon Center's Liberty and National Security Program, Elizabeth Goitin, you can go download that if you missed it at bradblog.com for free if you missed it and would like to understand how this six-year reauthorization uh, and expansion of the government's spying powers will affect you and your family and everybody that you know. 
The Senate voted 65 to 34 to reauthorize the program for another six years. That uh, vote included 21, 21 Democrats out of the 49 uh, who caucus with the Dems in the Senate. So those 21 Democrats uh, joined Republicans to adopt the bill into law. Seven Republican senators voted against the measure. So there we have it. I suspect Donald Trump will sign it unless he happens to be watching Fox News when somebody tells him not to. <laughs> somebody, uh, Anthony, what's his name? Anthony uh, Napolitano. Napolitano comes Judge on. Napolitano. Yeah, and says, uh, you must veto this bill, Mr. President. Well, if he catches him at just the right moment, just as he's about to sign, maybe he'll veto it instead. So uh, go get him, That's Napolitano. Scary. That's a scary thought. Isn't it? A lot of scary thoughts these days. Uh, Republicans were able to get that measure passed only due to the help of Democrats in both houses. And uh, many civil libertarian uh, Democrats joined with civil libertarian Republicans on the right. And those defections uh, from the right meant that the uh, GOP could not pass it without that help from Democrats. Why they would be willing to make it even easier for the Trump administration's uh, law enforcement uh, agencies and intelligence agencies to further abuse their power. Why Democrats would want to do that? Well, it's above my pay grade. But, uh, but that's what Democrats, at least a number of them, did. But you also may recall how, as the measure, the FISA measure, was about to pass in the U.S. House a week or so ago, Trump attempted to undermine it on Twitter after, yes, watching Judge Napolitano on Fox News, on Fox and Friends, tell him, don't sign. This is wrong, Mr. President. This is... He literally turned toward yeah. the camera and said, Mr. President. Right. So when that happened, Donald Trump took to Twitter and he uh, talked about how terrible this uh, effort was. It must be blocked even though his own administration and Republican leadership in Congress had long been lobbying in favor of its passage. I get maybe he didn't know. Maybe he didn't care. A couple of hours later, uh, he, he put out a second tweet after he had heard from Paul Ryan in the House after chaos had broken out. Well, all of that same stuff is now true. Uh, on the short-term spending bill scheme to keep the government open past this weekend when it will otherwise be forced to shut down, save for the passage of either a short- or long-term spending bill to actually fund the U.S. government. We're seeing almost identical <laughs> problems for the Republicans in the both the House and Senate today based on Donald Trump's tweet and with that, the threat of a government shutdown now seems to be growing by the minute. On Thursday, a raft of Senate Democrats announced they will not back a one-month extension of government spending, while House Speaker Paul Ryan's promise that he can pass the plan in his chamber is looking increasingly uncertain as the day wears on today. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. The president of the United States at the same time did Ryan no favors at all since he can't help but tweet stuff that ends up screwing up GOP plans all the time. And that's what he did today. According to The New York Times, President Trump blew up Republican strategies to keep the government open past Friday when on Thursday morning he said a long-term extension of the popular Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP, should not be part of a stopgap spending bill before the House. 
He said that uh, in his tweet, he said chip should be part of a long term solution, not a 30 day or short term extension. In other words, don't include chip funding. Don't include reauthorization for millions of American children who need health care. Don't include that in this uh, in this short term resolution that Republicans are hoping to pass. With a possible government shutdown looming this weekend, the House had planned to vote late Thursday on a stopgap spending bill that would keep government funding flowing uh, through February 16. They just keep kicking this can down the road a few weeks because they can't get their own party, their own caucus in line. So that would keep the government uh, funded until mid-February as they continued negotiations to try to protect young, undocumented immigrants brought here illegally as children from deportation. That following Trump's lifting of Obama's DACA measure or the Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals program that was put in place by uh, Barack Obama to protect those kids who were brought here when they were, you know, children have lived here now for some of them for decades, have known no other home but the U.S. to k- protect them from being deported. And and this is an arbitrary deadline that was set by Trump that now everyone oh, yeah. has to scramble to meet. Oh, yeah. This is completely unnecessary as far as the DACA negotiations. Well, he created it, and I w- would argue that uh, whether he knew it or not, he, was, uh, he, he created this as a bargaining chip for exactly such a moment as this. So essentially that's what we're talking about right now. They are they're holding the kids hostage, whether it's on the uh, children's health insurance program or whether it's on DACA. And uh, they are purposely using, you know, CHIP is a very popular program. Uh, It's been in place since uh, Bill Clinton, I think, put it in place. It's been supported by Republicans and Democrats alike. But now they are using using it as a bargaining chip. By midday Thursday, the chances of a shutdown appeared to be rising, a shutdown that would hit a year to the day after Trump took office. That's right. Happy anniversary, America. Uh, This weekend, we will celebrate one year of Donald (laughs) Trump in office, uh, efforts to negotiate a broader long-term budget deal that would protect those young undocumented immigrants raise spending for the military and domestic programs and fund children's health care had been had been making progress. That was all going to happen. It looked like until Trump last week in another situation also blew up everything by referring to African nations as s whole countries. The ensuing uproar upended the budget and immigration talks and ended up uh, seemingly emboldening Democrats. On Thursday now, senior House Democrats introduced a resolution to censure the president for his words. And that would be a nice gesture, I suppose. Republicans hoping to keep the government open while tempers cool turned to a one-month stopgap spending measure since everything blew up. That's what they were hoping to pass uh, before the Friday deadline at this point, given what happened last week. But that gambit may now also be nearing a dead end. Nearly every House Democrat signed a letter on Thursday proclaiming opposition to the Republicans' short-term spending bill. 
That's in the House. Over in the Senate, more ominously, Virginia's two Democratic senators, Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, whose constituents include hundreds of thousands of federal workers, they also announced together that they would oppose this temporary spending bill. They had been seen as among the most likely yes votes in the Senate, given the number of federal workers that would be uh, put out of work in the event of a government shutdown. Republicans need at least nine Democrats to support the bill in the in the U.S. Senate to overcome a filibuster. Kane and uh, Warner said in their joint statement that Congress should remain in session with no recess until we work out a long term bipartisan budget deal that addresses all the issues. There's an idea. The president's tweet, however, uh, trying to pull chip out of the short term uh, uh, spending uh, stopgap measure. Uh, that only added to confusion today. Republican leaders uh, had spent Wednesday pressuring Democrats to vote for the spending bill, the short-term bill, arguing that opposing it would effectively block a six-year extension of the children's health program attached to that spending bill as a sweetener for lawmakers. As of Wednesday night, Republicans had already begun pushing out the idea that Democrats are blocking children's health care. <laughs> God. In favor of illegal aliens, as the right wingers were claiming, uh, in order to basically intimidate Democrats into helping them, into helping the Republicans support this short term extension. While they tried to clean up the rest of the mess on their own that their own president and their own caucus can't seem to all agree on. Far right wingers in the in the Republican caucus are also opposed to a short term measure. So Republicans can't even clean clean their own house. Is this the part where we point out that Republicans are in charge of all three branches of government and could do this on their own if they wanted to? No, actually, that's coming up in a second. OK, because Nancy Pelosi points out exactly that. Speaker, <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Speaker Paul Ryan of Wisconsin uh, said on Wednesday uh, as he was making this case that, uh, oh, the Democrats hate children, apparently, <laughs> uh, that it would be, quote, unconscionable. For Democrats to oppose funding for the children's health insurance program with a no vote on the short term spending bill that after spending months not taking action on the already expired chip program that they could have reauthorized, for example, during their tax bill. If they really wanted it, I mean, if you want to you know, turn things around on them, well, it's unconscionable that uh, that Republicans in the in the House and Senate chose to. Uh, vote against children's health insurance by uh, in favor of giving huge tax cuts to rich people by not including CHIP in that program. They could have put it in that. They could have passed it as its own bill. They could have reauthorized it as a, as a clean bill at any time if they really gave a damn about unconscionable action towards children, but of course they don't. Hours after Trump's tweet just like the one which almost blew up the GOP plan to reauthorize FISA, the White House, just as in the FISA case, tried to walk everything back. A White House spokesperson said that the president supports the House's stopgap bill, even though he said he didn't. <laughs> Democrats, however, pressed all of this to their advantage. Uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, the uh, Democrat of New York, the minority leader in the Senate, brought up 
brought up the tweet and questioned whether it meant that the president opposes the stopgap measure that congressional leaders from his own party are trying to pass. Who knows, Schumer asked. It's a mess, he correctly said. Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi of California, the Democratic leader in the U.S. House, made clear that she was unmoved by the inclusion of CHIP funding in the stopgap bill. She said, as you heard at the top of the show, that this is like giving you a bowl of doggy doo, put a cherry on top and call it a chocolate sundae. On Twitter, she noted, just as you did, Desi Doyen, that this is the first time in recent memory, perhaps in long term memory, that a government shutdown has been possible when one party, one party has controlled the House, the White House and the Senate. The Republicans, she said, own that. Hashtag do your job. House Minority Le- the House Minority Leader offered an actual statement to reporters at the Capitol earlier today. It's really almost like an amateur hour because this should have been done. Uh, we could have come to a place uh, where we have come to a budget agreement as well as uh, protecting our dreamers, which is part of the, of the agreement as we go forward. But instead, the Republicans are dilly-dallying, taking their good old time. Maybe they just don't believe in governance. The president said in May, uh, our country needs a good shutdown in September. Our country needs a good shutdown, Mr. President? Perhaps you don't understand the consequences in the lives of individual families and our veterans, our seniors who depend on Social Security checks, our families who enjoy our national parks and the rest. Uh, just so many things in between our judicial system, our meeting the needs of our veterans, etc. Uh, our, gov- our country does not need any shutdown, and there is no good shutdown. And so we hope, we're hopeful uh, that they can realize that the clock is ticking uh, on our meeting the needs of the American people. Tick, tick, tick. With that in mind, uh, despite the attempts by Republican leadership and uh, and right-wing media to try to flip the story in order to blame Democrats, good luck with that, Republicans are bracing to get blamed for the fallout if a government shutdown happens as of this weekend. Senator Jerry Moran, Republican of Kansas, told TPM that it's, quote, it's one more instance in which the American people look at Congress and say, why can't these people get something done? He also notes, quote, with Republicans in the majority, that's a knock on us. The reality is the Republicans have the majority in the House and Senate and the White House. Well, he's not supposed to say that out loud, is he? That's (laughs) not on script for the Republicans. Senator John Thune, Republican of South Dakota, he's a member of the GOP leadership, admitted that things do not look good. He said, I'm concerned that uh, we, yeah, we may not have 60 votes in the Senate according to Politico, and I think that's obviously problematic, he said. Oh, do you think, Senator? Paul Ryan in the House said he had uh, he had spoken to Trump earlier in the morning after his tweet and that the president now, quote, fully supports passing what we're bringing to the floor today, just like what happened last week to pass the FISA in the House when Ryan had to call the White House and straighten out our president man boy uh, to explain his own party's objectives. Senator Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky and the majority leader in the Senate, continue to press Democrats to support this stopgap bill. 
He said, I'm more than puzzled why they would threaten to turn their backs on those children (laughs) and shut down the government while they're at it over the entirely unrelated issue of illegal immigration. Even in the House, uh, even if the House uh, manages to pass the bill, the Senate would uh, would still need to give its approval. So even if it goes through the House, that's the thing. They're, They're not even... They may not even get this thing through the House where they have a huge Republican majority, where they don't need Democrats to join in at all to to beat a filibuster. So even if they manage to get through the House, good luck, the Senate would still need to approve it in order to uh, to avert a shutdown on on Saturday. And they'll have to come up with Democrats, at least nine, to, to help them over this hump. 18 members of the Senate Democratic Caucus voted for the last stopgap measure back in December, helping out the Republicans. But several of them have already said that they would oppose the latest bill or suggested they're leaning in that direction. That includes Warner and Kane, as I mentioned. Also, Senator Angus King, independent of Maine, and Senator John Tester of Montana. Tester, who is up for re-election himself this year in Montana, a state that Trump won by 20 percentage points, He said that a stopgap bill that included chip funding but left out the other issues, like the DACA issues that left those unresolved, was, quote, not what we're looking for. So, no, uh, even uh, Democrats from states that Trump won in a huge way no longer seem to be frightened by Republicans, by this president or by Trump voters. McConnell said the Democrats in the Senate have been consistently have been consistent in clamoring for addressing their the children's health care program. This does it with a six year reauthorization. And mind you, the chip program uh, above and beyond helping sick children also saves the government money, saves the government billions and billions of dollars. Just if you want to you know, get a sense of, of, of how cynical it is that uh, the Republicans are using this as a bargaining chip. It would actually help them if, as they claim, they give a damn about government spending. Anyway, McConnell said this does it with a six-year authorization. The Democrats claim they don't want to shut down the government, so it seems to me it would be a rather attractive package. I certainly hope that's the way they look at it. Well, they're not looking at it that way. In other words, what McConnell is saying, vote with us, save our asses, or the kids get it. And of course, if the short-term continuing resolution is passed without protection for the DACA kids, the next plan by Republicans for a longer-term spending bill, if they ever get there, would be vote with us, save our asses, or the immigrants' kids get it. This is the return of government by hostage-taking. It went away for a while, went away for a couple of years. I can't remember. When was that last uh, shutdown? I think it was 2013. Yes, it was 2013. Although we had a couple of uh, so-called fiscal cliffs since then where Republicans did this. Government by hostage-taking. That's what Republicans do. And they're taking kids hostage. This is what you get, even when the Republicans control both houses and the White House and could largely pass this uh, by themselves, at least in the House, where the fate of the bill at this hour is anything but certain. 
If this uh, short-term stopgap bill passes, uh, Chuck Schumer said there will be no incentive to negotiate on DACA. And we'll be right back here in a month with the same problems at our feet. He's right. The government will shut down at midnight on Friday if Congress can't pass a bill. What could possibly go wrong? Quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Or the kids get it. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Kids are all right. Yeah. Right? They'll be. They're Maybe. Gonna try. We'll see. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Well, as Congress grapples to pass a budget by Friday. To do, you know, that phrase, you had one job, (laughs) that kind of occurs to me here. They have one job. Just keep the government running. That's it. Anyway, as they grapple to pass a budget by Friday to uh, evade a federal government shutdown, which is now looming, President Donald Trump took his time to publish fake news awards. On the Republican National Committee's website Wednesday evening. Excellent use of your time, Mr. President. Uh, And uh, totally fun. The much-anticipated awards, and we know they were much-anticipated because Donald Trump tweeted that they were when he announced them on Twitter. That and actually when he announced that they were going to be delayed for about a week and a half after he had originally announced that they would be coming out on Twitter. Uh, in any event, all of that amounted to a uh, to a link that he tweeted out to a single page at GOP.com at their website that was then broken for about an hour. Oh, man. Nobody could get to it, apparently, uh, due to traffic because they were uh, so anticipated. Everybody couldn't wait to get there, and the GOP didn't have a website that could handle it. At least that's what the GOP claims. Uh, Sadly, uh, despite the best efforts of many of you broadcast listeners out there on Twitter and elsewhere, uh, neither the broadcast nor bradblog.com were one of the lucky awardees of Trump's fake news Oh, darn. I know. The uh, awards, sadly, as it turns out, uh, they were mostly just a list of reporting errors that were corrected or then, you know, were retracted entirely by major news outlets like the New York Times, ABC News, CNN, and so <laughs> forth. Yep. Uh, In I'm, other words, let's just be clear about yeah. this. These were these were errors. These were errors in reporting yeah. that were corrected because right. the reporter said, oh, I made a factual error. Let me correct this. Yep. As a normal person does. Yeah. No, but that's now fake news. All of the uh, major news outlets that were named in this fake news list, yes, they have clear ethical editorial policies that inform their reporting standards and how to handle uh, such corrections when they make an error. And yes, of course, 
I am plenty critical of the New York Times and ABC News and CNN, but they are not fake news. They are sometimes lousy news, but they are not fake news. Other winners on the list were columnists who wrote negative opinion pieces about the president. For example, the the number one named fake news uh, report in the piece wasn't actually a news report at all. It was it was a, a claim by a New York Times opinion writer, Paul Krugman, the day after the 2016 election when the stock market had briefly plummeted. He argued that the economy was unlikely to revive under Donald Trump. So far, anyway, Krugman appears to have been wrong, but that was an opinion piece. That was not news, much less fake news, which uh, actually means something or used to. That would be the knowingly uh, the people who put out these knowingly wrong news stories in order to get uh, clicks, these, these spammers and trolls who write these things to get web traffic to their site. That's what fake news actually is, though Trump has been successful at changing the meaning of that phrase to include any actual news that he does not like. Well, with those fake, fake news awards and the uh, happy first anniversary of Trump's first full year in office coming up this weekend, I cannot believe it has only been a year. Uh, in any event, it seems a, a good moment to look at some of the actual fake news that Donald Trump himself puts out at a blistering pace each and every day since taking office. The Associated Press uh, did some of this uh, heavy lifting here for us on, on this score today with AP's Calvin Woodward observing that for all his errant swings at the facts, President Donald Trump sometimes gets it just right. Quote, there's been no first year like this, Donald Trump told a Florida <laughs> rally last month. Not necessarily something to be proud of. Woodward asks, were truer words ever spoken? Uh, the This uh, Department of Corrections, he says, has certainly never seen a first year like this. Falsehoods and exaggerations have tumbled relentlessly out of Trump's Twitter accounts, speeches, interviews, the vast majority in service of his ego, says Woodward. Other presidents have skewered the truth as well, but Trump is of a different order of magnitude. The president routinely presents his intended actions as achievements, like Obamacare is dead, money is pouring into NATO. He inflates the significance of what he's done, calling his tax cuts the biggest ever and his accomplishments unrivaled in history, neither of which are true. He exaggerates the problems that he inherited from his predecessor, he lays out fanciful goals. He doesn't learn from mistakes. Instead, he repeats those mistakes over and over and over. Oh, just as we discussed in the in the A block here today. Moreover, Trump often bypasses the vast information gathering apparatus that reports to him in his own government, in his own administration. He, he can collect more information than anything or anybody on the face of this planet. And yet he just uh, bypasses that entirely, gets his reality from TV, specifically uh, and perhaps exclusively from Fox News. Or, as AP notes, he just uh, trusts his gut, which is pretty much the same thing. 
That's Fox News. So uh, looking at uh, some of the uh, some of the highlights, lowlights over uh, over the first year of his presidency. Uh, AP notes uh, that Trump doesn't do big tax cuts. He does the biggest tax cuts ever. He doesn't win an election. He scores a landslide. He doesn't just make the Veterans Affairs Department run better. He drives out the, quote, sadists. Apparently, he said there were sadists working at the Wow, I'm glad I missed that one. Veterans Administration, yeah. In fact, as they note, the December tax overhaul ranks behind Ronald Reagan's. For example, in the early 1980s, it ranked behind post-World War II tax cuts and at least several others. His 2016 win uh, of the presidency is the 13th closest of the 58 presidential elections in U.S. history, Hardly a landslide, that according to a tally by Claremont McKenna College, a political scientist. It was no landslide. His winning percentage in the Electoral College was just under 57 percent. That is narrower than both of Obama's wins. Obama had 61 percent in 2008 and 62 percent in 2012. It's also uh, narrower than all but two of the last 10 presidential elections. Also, he lost the popular vote to Democrat Hillary Clinton. But that's another matter we wouldn't want to mention that. (laughs) Make Mr. Trump angry. Despite his boasts that incompetent uh, Veterans Affairs Department employees are being swiftly removed from their jobs, in fact, more VA employees were fired in Obama's last budget year than in Trump's first. So Obama beat him there, too. Must drive the president crazy. Short drive, I know. Trump sees uh, things the way that he wants to see them the way that he wants them to be and presents them as if that's how they actually are. Quote, you know, we have factories pouring back into our country. Did you ever think you would hear that? Or, quote, I urged our NATO allies to do more to strengthen our crucial alliance and set the stage for significant increases in member contributions. Billions and billions of dollars are pouring in because of that initiative. Or, quote, Jobs are pouring back into our country. Well, here's the facts from AP. Factories are not pouring back into the country, nor are they sprouting up domestically in large numbers. When he had made that claim back in December, spending on the construction of factories had actually dropped 14% over the past year continuing a steady decline since the middle of 2015. As for jobs, quote, pouring back into our country, Trump hopes that his tax overhaul will make that happen, but so far it has not. The economy added about 170,000 new jobs a month uh, over Trump's first year in office. That's nice, but it was slightly below the average of 185,000 jobs in 2016 under President Obama. So once again, Obama beat him there as well. Manufacturers uh, stepped up hiring. They added 196 jobs in 2017, but but they added more than that in both 2011 and 2014, both Obama years. Just FYI, money is not pouring into NATO. uh, As Donald Trump claims, and it will not be. 
What Trump was actually referring to was that he had pushed NATO members to increase their own military budgets so that the U.S. won't have to carry such a load. NATO members did agree to do so during Obama's presidency. They agreed to increase their military spending in the years ahead, and that is what they have been doing. I think we should make that clear, that NATO is not something that the NATO countries pay the United States to do. And it's not clear, even though he's been told this repeatedly by both our own people and by European officials, European government leaders, we don't pay you guys for NATO. All this is is us increasing our military budget. He doesn't seem to understand that. There's a lot that he doesn't seem to understand. And frankly, I you know, I hate to even cover this stuff at all since it's frankly so stupid. But if he's going to spend a year reporting fake news after fake news from the bully pulpit of the presidency as if it's actually real, if he's going to continue to dupe his chumps and uh, patsies and suckers who support them into believing this stuff, then... You know, I guess we have to continue. We have to join AP here in in being a fact-checking organization. Let me just hit a few more here before we get to our break. Uh, Trump makes the State of the Union look better under his watch by making the past look as dark as it could possibly be. Before him, the U.S., quote, left our own border wide open. Anybody can come in. The U.S. armed forces were all but in ruins before Donald Trump took office. The health law that he inherited and has tried to dismantle is a disaster that, quote, covers very few people and is essentially, quote, dead. Also, previous presidents, quote, put American energy under lock and key. Oh, man. (laughs) Thought that would get a rise out of you. (laughs) Actually, the U.S. border was far from porous before Trump took office. The number of arrests of illegal border crossers, which is the best measure of how many people are actually trying to cross illegally, uh, that number was at a 40-year low before Trump's influence on border policy could have been felt in any way, shape, or form. The government under President George W. Bush and Obama roughly doubled the ranks of the Border Patrol over the past decade. So that's hardly leaving the borders wide open. Obama was also, it's easy to forget right now, but he was appropriately derided by pro-immigrant advocates as, quote, the deporter-in-chief. Remember that? For the hefty number of people that he had sent home? Before easing deportations of certain groups later in his presidency, Obama was uh, was also covering Obamacare, I should say, was also covering about 20 million people when Trump had described the numbers as very few. Well, 20 million people having health insurance who couldn't afford it before. That's very few. Well, okay. the majority is from the law's Medicaid expansion, the other driver of coverage is the uh, subsidized individual insurance market. That drew roughly 9 million signups for 2018, despite a much shorter enrollment season under Donald Trump, who cut it in half, who also cut the ad budget and the federal payments to insurers. And yet it still drew 9 million people. Not exactly very few. The new, uh, I guess, unless you're not one of them, then it's easy to deride them. Oh, very few people, just nine million Americans. Let's get rid of it. Of course, the new tax law ends the Obamacare fine for lacking insurance. So starting in uh, 2019, 
Uh, We are likely to see those numbers fall, again, thanks to Donald Trump killing it. That's a a repeal of a major component of Obama's law, but other critical parts of the law remain in place. They are not dead, as he has said repeatedly. Nonetheless, as a new Gallup survey released this week found, over the course of Trump's first year in office, the number of Americans without health insurance has increased by 1.3 percent. That means 3.2 million people, more people, are now uninsured on his watch. But I guess that's just a few, right? 3.2 million uninsured now? That, according to uh, Gallup ShareCare's latest tracking report that was published on Tuesday, it is the largest one-year increase. Oh, here's something he can say is the biggest and the best. He just presided over the largest one-year increase in the uninsured population since uh, Gallup started taking this survey back in 2008. So congrats, Mr. Trump. Energy production was not imprisoned under lock and key, as uh, Trump charged was the case under previous administrations. It was, in fact, unleashed, particularly during Obama's presidency, largely because of advances in fracking, hydraulic fracturing, which made it more economical to tap vast reserves of natural gas. Oil production, however, also greatly increased. That reduced the need to import oil. Before the 2016 presidential election, the U.S., for the first time in decades, before Donald Trump was even elected, the U.S., for the first time in decades, was getting more energy domestically than it imports from overseas or from Canada or from Mexico. Before Obama, by the way, Bush was hardly an adversary of the energy industry, so American energy under lock and key... Not so much, as it turns out. Turns out that is fake news. Who knew? (laughs) Well, I did, and you did, too, because we report on all of this stuff. I just want to point out that when you're watching the news, when you're reading the news, notice that the traditional corporate news media uses the word energy when what they really mean is oil and gas and coal. Mm -hmm. They don't actually mean renewable energy in that that catch-all term that they now use instead of specifying whether they're talking about oil and gas, because Obama also unleashed renewable energy. Renewable energy on public lands, uh, renewable energy on uh, pretty much in every single state uh, unleashed that. But of course, to the Trump administration, the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow in the United States. (laughs) So we couldn't possibly benefit or make an economic innovation out of any of that. Uh, Despite his rhetoric, Trump's rhetoric about U.S. energy production, and you're right, the oil companies, the coal companies, they all call themselves energy companies right now. Uh, Despite his rhetoric about energy production in the U.S., one of his most consequential actions as president regarding any type of energy has been to open the U.S. to another source of foreign oil. That with his approval of the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada, though that ain't open yet. (laughs) And it may never be open at this point. They're still trying to get enough contracts to open it up, as uh, last I recall from our Green News report. And also TransCanada, the uh, Canadian oil company, the pipeline Mm -hmm. company, I mean, that that wants to build it, is still fighting with the Nebraska state legislature over what route they're going to use, because they want a different route than Nebraska says. Nebraska says, nah. You mean the Republicans in uh, who, who run the state of Nebraska these days? Yep. Imagine that. 
All right. Well, there are more of them here, but maybe we'll hold them for uh, for another day as we uh, as Donald Trump wraps up his uh, first fantastic year in office. Uh, but let's take a quick break. And speaking of energy, we'll come back with the Green News Report and uh, some other related stories that were either uh, too late or we just didn't have time for in our GNR. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Hey, Desi Doyen. Yes. Some good news before we get to your green news report and you ruin everything. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with the delightful Desi Doyen next to me. Uh, McDonald's has pledged to make its packaging and restaurants more earth friendly. Yay. So see, this is the good news. Yep. Actually, we didn't have time. This came in before our GNR, but we didn't have time to fit it in there. But I wanted to hit this. By 2025, the fast food chain plans to use renewable, recyclable or certified materials in all of its packaging and will put recycling bins in its restaurants. Um, two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a styrofoam container and a landfill that will last for thousands and thousands of years. No, it's great that they're doing Apparently this. Apparently it's over. It's over. Uh, well, it's Maybe, on its way to being of, yeah, over. Exactly. And I just want to point out that yep. when they say certified materials, McDonald's is talking about materials that are certified by the Forest Stewardship Council, which is the nonprofit third-party independent verifier of sustainable for forestry practices. It is not the other one that's run and started the by... The fake one. The fake one that's run by the Coke Industries, the Coke uh, Brothers yes. and, uh, and right. the paper industry that want to pretend like they have certified they do not. So you want the Forest Stewardship Council, FSC. Our customers have told us the packaging waste is the top environmental issue they would like us to address, said a McDonald's spokesperson in a statement. Not less meat, I guess, which, of not course, yet. is a huge driver of global global warming. Yep. They said our ambition is to make changes our customers want and to use less packaging sourced responsibly and designed, designed to be taken care of after use. About half of McDonald's packaging comes from renewable, recycled, or certified materials currently. Only 10% of stores offer recycling bins for customers. McDonald's had previously promised to stop using packaging that contributes to deforestation. Currently, around 64% of its packaging meets that standard. It plans to reach 100% by 2020. The company has worked towards several other environmental goals in the past few years. They began purchasing sustainable beef 
In 2016? Really? Yep. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they plan to completely eliminate foam packaging by the end of this year. I didn't know they still used any foam packaging. Yeah, those polystyrene cups that last forever after you've used them just one time. Remember, this is really important for taxpayers because every single landfill is paid for with your tax money. So anytime your city doesn't have to open a new landfill to take all of this single-use packaging and store it permanently forever, that saves you money. You're so strict. (laughs) All I want to do is save you money, man. That's all. I know you do. All right, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. It's already been called one of the worst oil ship disasters in decades. Damaged and burning Iranian oil tanker sinks off the coast of China. We're now seeing virtually no males being born. Warmer temperatures at the Great Barrier Reef causing sea turtles to be born female. New study warns ocean dead zones are dramatically expanding. Plus, my greatest hope is making sure that Ford is at the forefront of all that. So around another 114 years. Big shift at the Detroit Auto Show as Ford goes all in on electric vehicles. All of those big shifts and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I mean, I think President Trump should take um, credit for solving global warming. And look at how cold it is. That's just another accomplishment. Oh, Fox News, don't ever change. Don't worry, they never will. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I guess we have to start with the bad news in the East China Sea. Yes, unfortunately, that large Iranian oil tanker that's been ablaze for more than a week after it collided with another ship in the East China Sea has now sunk, leaving miles-long flaming oil slicks. The tanker's crew did not survive. AP reports that Chinese divers will try to pump out the sunken ship's fuel tanks before leaks can contaminate the seabed, but unfortunately, the tanker cargo of extremely toxic oil condensate will likely leave a poisonous plume in the water. And this is not a regular oil spill. This is condensate. You can't see it. It's not visible. And it's incredibly toxic? Yes, it's impossible to clean up and it is poisonous. So it's just going to be burning and killing things for quite some time. Yes, it is. Great. And human impacts on the ocean are increasing. A new study concludes that coral bleaching, once exceedingly rare, is now occurring every five to six years, giving coral reefs no time to recover between bleaching events. Bleaching is caused by high ocean temperatures, which in turn are caused by man-made global warming. And is a better way to describe bleaching... uh, Killing? Just the coral just dies? Coral bleaching is a severely stressed reef. It can still recover, but it takes about 10 years. This gives them no time at all. Gotcha. And a separate study finds that dead zones in the ocean are spreading. Dead zones are areas with zero oxygen in which marine life can't survive and are caused by fertilizer and sewage runoff and global warming because warm waters hold less oxygen. Dead zones have now quadrupled in size since 1950, while the number of sites with very low oxygen near the coasts have multiplied tenfold. The researchers show, however, that pilot projects in Britain that reduce 
reduced runoff through improved farming and sewage practices showed that coastal dead zones are reversible. But not here in the U.S., where Donald Trump is trying to reverse the waters of the U.S. Act in order to, I guess, increase farm runoff again? That's probably what will happen. Well, you know, you got to overturn those Obama regulations no matter what. Scientists say that rising temperatures at Australia's Great Barrier Reef are causing more green turtles to be born female. The gender of green sea turtles is determined by the temperature of the sand where the eggs are incubating, and the researchers say that of the hundreds of thousands of green sea turtles they studied on the northern part of the reef, 99% were female. Mm. And that has serious implications for the species, according to Dermot O'Gorney, head of the World Wildlife Fund in Australia. We're now seeing on those northern beaches virtually no males being born, uh, all females. And that really rings alarm bells for the long-term uh, survival of those northern uh, green turtle populations. Yeah, I'd say it rings alarm bell for the short-term survival of those turtles. Finally, a seismic shift at the Detroit International Auto Show underway in Michigan. While self-driving cars are getting all the attention, Ford Motor Company announced that it is doubling its investment in electric cars, investing $11 billion to bring 40 electrified models to market in four years. Global demand for electric cars is projected to rise rapidly, especially in China. China and Europe, where governments have set deadlines to phase out conventional gasoline and diesel engines. Ford Chairman Bill Ford says it's the smart move if you want to stay in business. You know, we've been in business 114 years. There have been tremendous shifts over those years. And my uh, greatest hope is, and my, and my greatest focus, is making sure that Ford is at the forefront of all that. So around another 114 years. So 40 electrified Ford models coming soon? By 2022. Well, I think we've long warned everyone, it's time to get rid of those internal combustion engines. Just saying, sell them while you can. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. I think we are. If People have been noticed. We have hit, you call it the inflection point yes. for uh, elect- electric cars? Yes, where the, the yep. system switches from one place to another place. Are we at that place yet? I believe we are very imminently there. We are very imminently there. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Um, one more here that has broken uh, since... Our Green News report today. That guy on on Fox News at the beginning of the Green News report there in our snarky comment, the one the guy claiming that Trump solved global warming, <laughs> yes, because it was uh, apparently cold that day in New York mm-hmm. uh, when he happened to be on Fox News. Uh, turns out, not so much. 2017 was once again one of the hottest years on record, ranked as the second warmest by NASA and the third warmest by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. They can't agree. The uh, the findings <laughs> continue uh, the planet's long-term warming trend, according to NASA, a trend that is driven predominantly by human activity through carbon dioxide emissions. 
Temperature records for the planet are monitored independently by both agencies, by both NASA and NOAA. They go back to 1880, so that's what they're comparing these records to. Their announcement came at a joint press conference in Washington today. The hottest year on record remains 2016. That's right, uh, the year before, while 2015 ranks second, according to NOAA. And uh, ranks third, according to NASA, which means the top three years, any way you slice it, the top three hottest years on record have been the most recent three. Other than that, that guy on Fox News was totally right. <laughs> Donald Donald Trump has solved uh, climate change. Okay, so just, just yes. a little bit of explanation here. So yeah. today's announcement that measures the average temperatures across both global land and ocean services in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, NASA saying that it was the second hottest year. NOAA says it's the third hottest year. And the reason is NOAA uses a different method to analyze temperature data. NOAA does not consider the Arctic. And this means that their temperature does not include how the Arctic is warming faster than everywhere else on the Mm. planet. So this also includes uh, an average, when you include it with the average from the UK's Met Office, the United Nations, Mm -hmm. um, and other meteorological groups around the... uh, Who also do this independently of each other. Exactly. And so... Each group, while they differ slightly in how they do their numbers and their rankings, they came up with the the same idea that, yep. you know, that the trend is very clear, very obvious. Global warming continues apace, and this is extremely concerning because it's not in an El Nino year, which tends which, to boost global temperatures. Yeah, and there's a point on that. Okay, so the six hottest years on record have all occurred since 2010. <laughs> And 17 of the hottest, eight of the 18 hottest years have all occurred since 2001. So there you go. That underlines how clear this is. But yes, the slight downturn in temperatures over the past year, over 2017, is partly explained by the presence of La Nina, sort of the opposite of El Nino, whereas a robust El Nino had been in place for the two prior years, 2015 and 2016. That's the El Nino's, the warming of, of surface waters in the uh, uh, in the Pacific Ocean. And so because of that, years with El Nino's tend to be warmer globally than other years. But La Nina's, on the other hand, uh, cool the globe down. And in fact, they said that 2017, uh, if you factor in, if you factor out El Nino's and La Nina's and the effect that they have, if you took that out, and those were statistically removed from the record, 2017 would have been the warmest year on record. They both seem to agree on that. One last thing. The scientists from NASA were asked about this, and they said, all of the warming since 1960 is attributable to human activity, and carbon dioxide emissions are the number one component. We got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. While you're there, please stop by bradblog.com donate. We rely on you, our listeners, to stay on your public airwaves, not big corporations, not political parties, not foundations. We rely on you. So my thanks to those who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to try to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. I'll see you there. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. 
Good luck, world.